Hey everybody, I'm here with Amy Nell, uh, my new friend acquired via Facebook. Uh, she is the creative director at Benedictine College in Kansas, right? Yes. Yes. Atchison, okay. Kansas. Atchison, Kansas. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to, to talk uh, with me and share your wisdom with my students. So, I'm glad to be here. So you've got, uh, so you're a creative director at Benedictine College, which means you've got your hand in a wide variety of things, uh, marketing, writing, uh, graphic design, interactive design. Um, I'm curious about, you know, where you got your start in the design field. Like, what was that moment you knew you had to be a graphic designer and then, you know, maybe you went to school for it or when did that occur? Um, well, actually, when I left college, I went to a private art school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I was there a year and realized I actually missed Missouri because that's where I live. Um, so I came back to Missouri and just kind of, I started working for an interior designer and I liked the creative process, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. So then I switched my major from studio art to graphic design and got my degree at Missouri Western Uni State University that is in um, Missouri. It's in St. Joseph, Missouri. If anyone out there is watching Ozark at the moment, which I am Netflixing all night long, <laughs> we made a debut in the third season of Ozark and they got our name wrong. So- uh, What did they call I'm you? St. Joe's, St. Oh. Joe's. So, um, so anyway, so that's where I graduated, and um, I actually live in Kansas City, Missouri, and drive to um, Atchison, Kansas, which is about 45 minutes away from where I live, and that's where the university is. But okay. after I graduated um, from college with graphic design, and my minor was marketing, so I always came from that creative background, I started working for actually a company that um, sold copiers. And they, that's when all the new color, big copiers were coming out. And the guy that owned this company was smart enough to know that he wanted to make money while the copiers were sitting in his building. So he started a graphic design department using his equipment. And then if anyone wanted to come in and um, see how we ran it, it was already in full production. So yeah, the pretty smart guy. So I started working from him and started that. So I ended up being a manager sole director right out of college, which was fun. And I was there for two years and then I decided to open my own business. Fantastic. Okay. So yeah, so I opened, opened that in 98 and um, bought one of his equipment to, to bring in so I could do everything in house. So we did everything from um, the design work to the print pieces of it. Um, and even the signage part of it, because I did my internship in college for a sign company. So I kind of learned that background and had my own graphic studio for 13 years here. in That's awesome. and, Yeah. So in Northwest Missouri, um, and we were like a one place to stop. So we had um, designers and web designers. We had um, screen printers. We did, you know, vehicle graphics. We did everything in house and it went really well. Um, in um, 2003, I think, our, that's when our recession took a hit. Um, mm -hmm. We mostly featured small businesses and a lot of them closed. So I started doing um, 
more things outside of the creative field. I didn't get to touch any of it. So it was taxes and, right. you know, scheduling. I got so far away from the creative process. I hated going to work. And since it was mine, I never got to be off. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I didn't get vacation. I didn't get, and someone asked me one time, well, it must be good because you're your own boss. And I was like, hmm. Not really. I have about 32 bosses at a time and they're mm -hmm. calling me constantly. So it is not all glamour that you think owning your own business is. It's a lot of 3 a.m.s because someone didn't show up and not, you know, on the phone, on your computer, on the way to the airport, you know, being on vacation mm -hmm. and having to work. And so, um, <laughs> vacation, like yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that and sick time. You don't get sick time either. So, um, so yeah, so I, honestly, my husband and I were, were taking the kids to Mexico and I just, I told him on the way there, I think I'm going to sell it when we get back and actually go back out into the field and work. Um, so I did, I sold it off piece by piece. And after that, that was eight years ago. Um, and I went out and I started working for a company called Unity World Headquarters. And they were out of Missouri, but they um, did publications and different things in 18 countries. Wow. So, awesome. um, so I you know, ran their um, publications mostly and was the art director there on everything we put out. I got to work with, uh, they wanted to change their image a little bit. So I got to rebrand them and work with the chambers. And that's when I really started working, being a Owning a small business and graphic studio, you're talking to your clients, you're finding out what they want, want and they're, you're giving them the best bang for their buck, basically, on what they can do to get out there. So that's touching on marketing, but this was my first push into actually working with the different chambers, with the different, you know, to rebrand a big, big corporation. Right. So we got that done. And Benedictine contacted me, so I um, and they were much closer to home. I was driving an hour and fifteen minutes every day, one way, to go to work. So they wow. were much closer to home, so that was appealed to me. Um, and you can speak to this too. Everyone always told me that higher education is its own beast. <laughs> yep. So I moved in, but. I didn't really get what they, to me, marketing is marketing. You have a product and you have a service and you figure out a way, best way to get it to your target market. And it wasn't as the big beast that I thought it was going to be to undertake. Um, I think it's just how you look at it. And I think a lot of time, and recently now, I think a lot of the higher education marketing are, is looking more at business marketing. But I think before that, like five years ago, they weren't, marketing the way they should have. Um, yeah. They don't market like Coca-Cola did. They don't think about it in that large aspect. It was, you know, direct to the students or direct and very small scale. And I think in the last five years, higher education marketing has kind of ramped up to that more national stage that they need mm -hmm. to be on. You know, and I, to extend to that point, which is fantastic, I think it was after you know, it was in the 2008-2009 recession that that I think I at least I witnessed a level up with mm -hmm. respect to what you said. Um, you know, broader uh, exposure field, more marketing campaigns, uh, more specific content, you know, a heavy uh, adoption and adaptation to social media. Mm -hmm. 
you know, absolutely, I, I agree with that. And, you know, you've said so many things that personally resonate with me. Uh, I am curious, though, how, how old were you when you started your business? I was 28. Okay. So, uh, and you, she's still 28, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the reason why I ask about this is because I started my first business around 25. And my first agency, I operated for about five years. And um, I didn't have any formal business training in college. And, you know, not, you don't actually really get entrepreneurship training in college anyway. Um, you learn that practically. So by the time I was 28, I had two employees. I had a small army of interns. Mm -hmm. Most of my clientele were nonprofits and, you know, I was all, I, when I was, my God, 20, maybe 25, 26, I started teaching. Um, actually, no, it was the same, roughly around the same time I started my company, which was also in the recession. I think I was a year in. So I started teaching in 2009. And, uh, so now I found myself teaching and running this business and, um, to your point, like, yeah, I had, I had five bosses just in my company alone. And they were my, the people that depended on me. But then I had this whole other world that I had to respond to, which was completely unlike reality, you know, that I was experiencing on the business side. So, uh, I was wake, I, I carried all the stress and I wasn't designing, you know, right. when you're not being creative and you're not designing that kills your soul. Yes. You know, um, so it, you know, I wasn't designing. I was, I was running numbers. I was budgeting. I was communicating with clients, doing client rep and creative direction all at the same time. Jealous of my employees for designing the things that mm -hmm. I wanted to make, and and I'm telling them what I'm what I like. It's just like, man, I just want to design that, right? So I remember, and maybe you've experienced something similar, but I remember I was, I, was, I was laying in bed, sleeping in the night, and then all of a sudden, I woke up like screaming. Like I had this, this is the first and only time I've ever had a nightmare like this, where I wake up in a cold sweat screaming, and it was because of the stress. And what, yeah. was, my, what was my nightmare? I was behind on a deadline. <laughs> uh, granted, a deadline that was not my fault. So that's when I kind of decided like, all right, you know, maybe I should really take a step back. And I ended up uh, merging my practice into a marketing company and a PR company. And then I was there for a year and then sold my shares and moved on and just focused mm -hmm. on teaching. So, you know, that way of life, as great as it can be, like sometimes it's not sustainable. Right. Yeah. Well, and then I, you find that, um, you're moving on, but unless you come from money or you have a huge backer, all you're ever doing is chasing the person trying to get paid. Yep. And, um, and then just trying to do, you know, like new stuff. And it was just a never ending cycle, you know, just, you know, always chasing people going, okay, you owe me this. Okay. Can we, right. you know, collect on this? And I mean, people think that small businesses, can be pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And you know, that it's actually the ones that you need to pay quicker. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially now with, with the, the coronavirus outbreak, you know, looking at businesses that are actually, um, like, approved by the federal government to operate. So they're essential businesses, right? right. The, the guy that you worked for right out of school, like, he just sold printers. That, I don't know if that's essential or not, but he no. converted it into a print shop. Right. And a comms agency. So now it's completely essential. Um, you know, there, there are choices like that that can help you really differentiate mm-hmm. um, and survive as a consequence. So you said your first business, and I yeah. think anyone that has that entrepreneurial mindset never is without an idea or a business or a startup. Because I have two Correct. online businesses now. Oh, what are they? Can't, um, I do. Well, the one part of equipment that I kept was screen printing just because I have kids and they always mm-hmm. need t-shirts and schools. So I always kept that as a side business. And so I still do that. And I just sell those online, just different saying shirts, Yeah, you know, like this, very simple. And then I have a business that it were, it's just in uh, getting, well, I have a little, little bit of downtime now. So we're getting that online. It should be on done in about two weeks. But it is because I'm a mother, so we have a lot of parties to plan. Right. Um, and I hate doing it. And my sister hates doing it. So it is, um, she was planning a baby shower. We both were. And we came up with this idea that people that hate to plan them, we're just doing a party in a box. And we're personalizing everything. And they can get, like, their napkins to their yeah you know, banners, everything. And they can go in and personalize. It comes with the kids' name on it and all of this, and they can order everything, and it gets shipped to them in time for their party. So that's awesome. And to your point, yes, like if you've got the, if you've got the bug, right, if you created yeah. one business, you're going to make more businesses. Um, I'm actually on my fourth. I'm on my fourth company, and that's what this is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my fourth company is called Plus Public, and what I do is uh, I fr- it's a design research practice. So what I primarily do is I work with community uh, development corporations um, and municipal governments and create branded communication platforms for them. So, you know, Atchison, for example, um, if they don't have a logo or a website or any social media presence, I'll go to them and actually build that for them. Mm-hmm. but the, the process is very market research driven. So I know that you absolutely know this because if you're a design entrepreneur, you have to, and that is you want to include your clients when you're designing something. Yes. Now the, 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 the level of interaction differs Like if they're offering good feedback and they're good collaborators, then bring them closer to the project. But if they're not, push them away, keep them at arm's length, right? Right. But you want them to feel a sense of ownership of the project and a sense of completion once it's done. So that way they can say, you know what? I helped with that. I did that. I helped Mm -hmm. out. So what we do is we'll go to uh, a municipality and we'll hold these Uh, public focus group sessions. Uh, We'll send surveys. So all of the decisions that we make are data justified. On top of the fact that whatever brand identity manifests as a result of that research, we can say to the mayor, to the city council, like, 
your community literally told us how to design this thing. They told us what colors, what typefaces, what shapes, what emotional touch points they wanted. If you don't like it, that's fine, but you're not going to have to respond to us. You're going to have to respond to like a thousand people that helped make this thing. And that's part of our hook. So we bring a custom fit solution based on the, the collective feedback of the people that live, work, play, learn, and ultimately thrive in any given municipality. Um, and then we employ that through social media, through storytelling, creative placemaking, and even, you know, promotional ephemera like t-shirts and hats and uh -huh. things like that. So that's what I do now, but it took me three companies to get to this point. To get to there. Yeah. And this is actually, Plus Public is actually a benefit corporation. I don't know if they have these in Kansas and Missouri, but, uh, we're as close to a nonprofit as you can get while still being a for-profit LLC. Mm -hmm. So we just happen to have like this extra responsibility to our clientele. So we're, we obligate ourselves to giving back by way of, you know, let's say a hundred hours a year is pro bono work for any given nonprofit client or if we don't, if we don't do that, then we donate money or we provide some kind of social benefit uh, to an entity. And yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really what this is. And it's kind of interesting because like the first business was just a full on design agency. The second was uh, marketing design PR. So it was a full service agency. And then the third company I ran uh, and owned was actually very much a hub and spoke resource company where like if you were an aspiring entrepreneur, you come to me and I would vet, I would say basically vet out your business concept, poke holes in it, and then say, all right, well, here's what I would fix. Come back to me. And when you're ready, you can hire me to help you formalize right? Your business plan, your marketing strategy, all that stuff. So like, uh, I had resources for accounting, for, uh, legal, for virtual assistance, all of that stuff. Um, and then I was just kind of, and then I just, I like, I became a creative director with some other companies, never a full owner. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So to your point, like, yeah, you, you know, I don't know if, what my next thing will be. Hopefully it'll be this forever, you know, because yeah. I love the name and what we do, but you know, we're good at finding those gaps and taking it and taking advantage of it and forming companies and making some money. So yeah. I think that's very capitalist. So. I think uh, my, my dream company would be, I think it would be, it'd be like um bar rescue for corporate, for corporations marketing. Oh yeah. That are you know not doing so well, and they realize it. And you go in with a marketing person, with an accountant, with you know a CEO, and you just go in and look at the entire business and clean house and tell them what to do. Um, I think we should start that together. <laughs> I think that would be great. <laughs> I'll operate. I'll, I'll operate the East Coast headquarters. You operate the Midwest. We got to find someone that. for the West Coast. So, uh, <laughs> so give me a year. My daughter graduates next year, so I am not bound to Missouri after next December. 
Wow. Okay. Awesome. So. You know, um, so there, oh man, like you're, you're hitting, I, you're hitting so many resonating points with me. Uh, the, the, the first sort of thing I thought about was now, so I've been, I've been doing a lot of podcasting lately, not just interactions with this, but I've been a guest on other people's podcasts. And one of the things that I've been telling people is like, if your business is going to be able to ride out this outbreak, pardon me, I got that heartburn again. Uh, if your business is going to be able to ride out this outbreak, what you need to be doing now is fixing everything. So if you run a, a, an appliance store, you're a mom and pop hardware store, for example, and you know, you've never been confident about your marketing or your website breaks, like fix that stuff now, like right. develop a marketing plan, develop these things. If you have expendable money, pay the right people to do this because it stands to reason that they're hungry for work too. So you could actually get more value out of them out by of virtue of giving them a job, right? Right. So it could pay dividends later. And um, so I've been really championing that, especially when, you know, companies are canceling internships, they're canceling jobs for, for my students. And, um, you know, so on the student side, what I'm saying is, the, you know, if, if you're a graphic designer, like now's the time you need to start your business and yeah. you know, you're going to probably get a lot of low hanging fruit, uh, types of clients, but those are also really good clients to cut your teeth on and gain some experience. You either find out how to work well with people or you find out which people you don't want to work with. Right. right? Um, and what else are you going to do? You're locked in the house and you know, design agencies aren't hiring. Uh, and the same thing with my marketing students, like how many companies, small businesses are out there that think a marketing plan is putting an ad in the penny saver, right? A lot of them. Right. And that's just, it, it's short sighted. So we've got students coming out of our respective institutions with fresh ideas and a lot of energy and they're super cheap. And any, any company is well positioned to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. So, and I hope they do, but you know, the, the other thing that you had said was like, um, just with, with respect to that, that client interaction. So you and I came into our staff positions after having a wealth of experience in other areas primarily entrepreneurship. So right. we were the boss, we ran our things and you come into an institution, right? On the higher ed staff side. And I don't know if you felt this, but in my position, I'm like, I'm, I'm just serving clients. Like I feel like I'm just serving the clients as usual, the academic departments. They're just the client, mm -hmm. you know, the president yeah, exactly. of the university. He's just the client. Like, I don't have a stake in how that department is operating, even though I'm an employee of the university and I should have some kind of tether to it. I just see them as, as clients. Mm -hmm. And that objectivity gives me so much more influence and ironically power to, in, especially empowerment, to do good work. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
do you, do you feel that way? Like I do, you know, and it's yeah. even more so because when I was hired, I was hired to centralize the marketing department. Before me, mm -hmm. it was spaced out uh, and different, and it was all over the place. You could drive up um, our drive, and you would see twelve different messages that they couldn't like hold on to one. Um, right. So I was hired to rebrand the college and centralize the marketing department. So I kind of got, I was hired to be able to have a say in how we set it up. And I set it up like an in-house agency. You, I mean, that's exactly yep. what you have to do. We did the entire college. You know, we meet, we meet with each department every week. They have a set designer that yep. you know, knows everything about them. We make communication plans every year you know, for the entire 12 months to see what worked. And we, every year we think, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what can we do differently? How right. can we make this better? Just like you would with a client. And instead of just like willy nilly, when I got there, 95% of our jobs were rush jobs. Right. And they were coming in, they were doing paper proofs still. I know it was insane. I mean, they were just stuck back in the nineties on how they were doing advertising and um, so yeah, I set it up exactly like in-house agency. We have everything under one roof. We work mm -hmm. collaboratively together because print has to match the web and the web has to match social and the videos, <laughs> have to, you know, fall under that brand too. Brand standards. Yep. Yes. Put all of those into place and we, you know, and sometimes I'm not the favorite person on campus when I'm like, no, you can't make our logo neon green. <laughs> you can't do it. You know, you can't go step behind it. You can't, you know. And you know, Amy, you can't be in the creative director position and, and want to be favored by everybody. No. You know, your, your responsibility is to the store, you know, uh, you need to mind the store and, keep in mind its best interests, even if those interests are counter to the people that you rely on to uh -huh. provide you the work in the first place. Um, and, you know, I found that, you know, that is a hard, it, it's a complex relationship, especially if you're at a large university. Um, but if, you know, if you're at a large university, that, that leadership, that responsibility is partitioned out across several different managers right? right but you're at a small catholic school where you know in your department you and then the person above you you're you're the end-all be-all right and yeah. um you know that that is frustrating um for a lot of people that feel like you're not doing the work right because you don't know what the culture is in this academic department and you don't know what's going to resonate and yeah. it's like well i mean I, and i think there's a lot of instead of just the creative and the business mindset you have to um do like personality studies you have to yes. know how to deal with each kind of personality and even with the academics and i will say Sometimes they can be hard. They're very wordy. They want to put every word they can think of in a piece, no matter Tell what Tell us how is. you really feel. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they're smart and they know their departments, but academic people like to write. And, you know, sometimes the image has to, you know, do the speaking for you. But I'm, I try to go to each one of them. I meet with all the academics every year at their meeting, first of the year, and I'll say, you guys are, you guys are the, you know what you're doing. You know your department. I, I can't tell you any more about your department than what you know. So we need to work together to make this 
I know my position, you know yours, so let's work together to get the best piece out there. Mm-hmm. And that gives them a little bit of ownership in that. Um, a funny story is, and we get along great now, but when walking in to a Catholic college, when I'm not Catholic and I'm female, was in a position of um, support, superiority to some of these people did not go well. And right. um, we had a guy that ran all the athletics and he was like, well, I know how to do this. I took graphic design in college. I went, oh, really? Oh. How long? He goes, well, I took two classes. <laughs> and, I, and I went, well, you know, I played volleyball in, co- in high school too. And if I don't tell you how to manage your volleyball team, we did not let, you know, tell me how to do this one. Right. So, Someone should tell that guy that it takes a good four years to become a really good designer. Right. Um, it takes a whole lifetime to be an excellent one. Designer. And it's uh, ever-changing. Yes. Yeah, ever-changing. Last I checked, volleyball doesn't change all that much. No. So, yeah, so <laughs> he, he lets us help now, and he doesn't, you know, get mad when we change what he used to design for the athletic department. So, but no, if you get, you just need to know how to handle the different people. Mm-hmm. You're going to come up against, and this isn't just in higher education. This is anywhere. You're going to work for bosses that you don't click with, or you don't, you know, you're going to have someone in HR or someone down the hall that you don't click with, with your personality. You're going to have to figure out how that give and take with that personality is going to yep. um, go because it's, it's always going to be like that. And just, you know, that's how the world works. And you've got to, you know, be there eight hours a day. You don't want to be miserable and you want to make it the best it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree completely. In um, Out of curiosity, when you're working with the different departments, uh, do you have them do like a creative brief first? So like they, you get as much information as possible or do they just do like, uh, they just do a request, provide some information and then it's up yeah. to you guys to figure it out? They do a request um, and we ask for a lot of information, but we, you know, you don't always get it. But that's why we meet with the each department weekly or at least bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always know what they're doing and how they want things. And you, de- you develop that relationship with them. So you kind of know what they're looking for. And of course the president's office is going to be much different than our bookstore and, you know, right. and all of our youth programs. Um, but we have the same people working with them. So they get to know them. And so it's not such a give and take. Right. That, that's good. You know, the, uh, the more that they understand about your process, uh, the better. And I think that creates like a two way sort of empathy, uh, that will enrich kind of all the projects, uh, Mm -hmm. together at the end of the day. So, um, so how has, just to switch gears a little bit, how has the, the outbreak, uh, disrupted your work and, you know, working with your team and managing them? Um, the team is not, is, it hasn't been a hard transition. Um, I mean, we, we live in Missouri and Kansas. We get a lot of snow. Right. We're, <laughs> we're set up to work remotely at any given time because our job is not nine to five. Right. Um, so the remote wasn't hard for our team because we've all been set up to do it. Um, we still do our meetings face to face on zoom when we need to meet. Um, I just had every year with my designers, I have a design retreat and we talk oh, about each department. 
we couldn't have that this year. Um, usually they come to my house and I, you know, give them breakfast and lunch and we usually go to a museum or something in the afternoon, some creative kind of process. Um, so we had to do it virtually this year. So we broke that out every morning this week and tried to do a little bit. So we're still trying to do that. Um, trying to incorporate some fun because I do think, I mean, we work a lot together and we work all events because all my designers are photographers too. Oh, great. You've got a multidisciplinary staff. Yes. So That's they, awesome. We cover all events and I mean, we, you know, we, when it's our scholarship ball, I mean, all of us are there working commencement. We're all there working. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you keep that fill. And so with our team, it wasn't hard and we have a great um, project management software. So that didn't change at all. Um, what changed was I actually work more now because uh, we're a residential college. Our campus is beautiful. So we know when we get kids on campus, they fall in love with it and they can't right. come to campus now. So it kind of went on to our switch gears to our digital aspect to, you know, make sure they can do a virtual tour that's almost as good as being there. And they right. want to look at the dorms. We have to get them, you know, so we've been doing on social media and we've set up a whole web page. Kudos to my web administrator who got that up very, very quickly um, to make sure we keep retention and recruitment up. So we're just trying to make every student feel special even though there's you know at home somewhere so we've done that digitally um by the web by video by social and the old us mail we sent them all a little care package so they would get it when they were sitting at home and so we're just trying to keep all of that up so yeah and personalize it all with some with some variable printing yeah. uh provide some like unique uh you know, uh, promotional ephemera, like a t-shirt, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we sent cell phone sanitizer spray. There you go. You know, it's funny when I started at Pitt, uh, the first thing I got was a nice little care package and in it were four bottles of hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wish you had like, that now. Well, I still got them. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, someone had the foresight. Someone is a fortune teller or they can, they can read the future somehow and they knew this was coming. So now I'm like really well stocked on hand sanitizer. There you ironically. go. Yeah. No, um, no I, I agree with you completely. I'm busy all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my daughter's young. She's four. So my wife and I are having to do homeschooling. And, you know, she's in preschool, uh, technically. She'll be going into kindergarten in the fall. And it's, it's wild to think that like her version of kindergarten could be sitting here at home and looking yeah. at a computer in some respects. Yeah. So we, my daughter will be a senior and she was, she's planning on graduating at in December. Mm -hmm. So to think that she's not going to have a senior year at all is just heartbreaking. Right. Senior in high school or college? High school. High school. Okay. She's graduating early for December. Yes. Um, wow. At first okay. school, they do block scheduling. So they actually get eight credits a year instead of seven. Ah, okay. So, okay. Yep. So she's, yep. Took four months off of the old mama heart. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, she can come work, come to work with you now. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't want to be a designer. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was actually going to take graphic design last semester. And I was like, if you do, don't show me your homework. 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I empathize with that completely. Um, you know, it, what's interesting is uh, today, so my daughter is spending a lot of time, she's hyper creative and so she's drawing now. And I showed her uh, one of the first books I ever bought her when she was like two or three was actually a Toy Story comic book. And so now I, I brought it back out and I said, hey, how about instead of just, because she's making stories with all of her drawings. I'm like, well, why don't we try a sequential one? And um, so she did this story about cherries, right? Oh. And it's, it's very sweet, but like she'll draw the stick figure and then the cherries will be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to keep that. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's just, how about we, we just have them hold them in their hands instead of right here. Like they're not, like they're holding a, a bunch of cherries and they're just... <laughs> four-year-olds. I love it. I'll, I'll have yeah. to send you a picture because they're all funny. They're all funny. Um, so hopefully, you know, she'll do some sequential work. But uh, she, what she, what hap what's happening though is she's seeing me do design work on the computer and she's like, I, I want to do that. And so like right. the, uh, this was so funny. So I'm just, I, I primarily design a lot of logos. I love the challenge of I love of logos. Branding. And so she sees me drawing logos and she's like, daddy, I, I want to make a logo. So she'll go over to her paper and she'll, she'll draw something. And like, one of the things I realize is she's got a really great grasp on basic geometry. Like she's using whole shapes, circles, triangles, octagons, hexagons, etc. And uh, she's like, this is a logo for Mario Kart <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, hey this is cool, you know? It, it's interesting because like I started doing design when I was 11, you know, maybe some weird similarity will happen with her. Who knows? But I don't, I don't actually want her to be a graphic designer because, <laughs> you know, like you made, you know, I think you're very well aware of some design careers and the pitfalls that can be found and like, when a good design job is a good one that you stay in, there are a lot of terrible design jobs out there. Oh right? yeah. Um, there's a yeah. lot of rejection. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so like you started your own practice and said to hell with it, I'm going to make my own opportunities. And you did that for 13 years and right. I did the same and you know, it had a, I had a lot of hard times with it, but I, I don't regret any of it for a no, second not at all. because it's put you where you're at. It's put me where I'm at and you know, we're still thriving. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, but as a young professional in, especially if you're in a really hard rural area where there are few design jobs, like that's, that's a hard life. Yes. Um, so good thing you minored in marketing. <laughs> Yeah, but the one good thing that might come out of all of this is a lot. There might be a lot more virtual jobs out there after some people can actually realize it works. Absolutely, and you know, I'm interested in seeing just exactly how this whole situation completely overhauls higher education. Yes, if it does at all, you know. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure. I don't think it will where I am. They will go back to, as soon as they can get us on campus, we will all be back on campus. Yeah. Sure. 
And, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about having that camaraderie of in-person mm-hmm. work. And, you know, I enjoy going to my job. I get to ride my bike and I ride the bus for free and there's some perks there. But um, I also enjoy not having to spend money on gas and, yeah. you know, buying lunch every day and, and stuff I like that. I think my perfect week would be two to three um, days in the office and the rest at home because I get more done at home. Yes. Because yeah, there's not I, as many, you know, interruptions and can you come look at this and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. agree with that for sure. Um, you know, it, since I've been on the faculty side for the past decade, I've already have this home office. I've got a good workflow going because every summer I would work from mm-hmm. home or if I was on, if I got course release for research or something like that, I would just do it here. So this transition was not difficult for me yeah. at all. Um, and I know for some others, they're, they're really distracted. They, they opt into the distractions, right? right? Yeah. So, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you what I'm kind of experiencing on the daily and then you'll know, see where it lines up with you. So um, in my position, practically all events have been canceled. Right. Um, so my responsibilities to those events have gone away. And if I don't have anything to market, then what am I doing? So I'm trying to build things for next year, you know, trying to build strategies and systems for admissions in the career team and study abroad and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, silver lining with having to work from home, being enforced self-isolation is that I can really focus on those things, right? Now with admissions but, though, yeah. aren't you busy trying to still get kids to admit and deposit? You know, uh, not kind of. I think we're at the, at the absolute very end of our admission cycle. Um, the, the College of Business at Pitt is the number 12th ranked best public uh, uh, public business school in the country. So we don't have uh, an admissions problem. Like we always get our, we always hit our quota. The thing that differs from year to year are SAT scores and, and like the quality of the students, which they're still high. Um, and uh, so admissions marketing is not that tough. And you know, really, we're not targeting seniors in high school. We're targeting juniors, you know. Yeah. Like, as soon as we can talk to them at, like, maybe the end of their sophomore year, beginning of their junior year, that's where we're really trying to, uh, to, get, in, to get in there and, and, yeah, and talk with them start. and have meaningful conversations. So, you know, we want them to consider Pitt for at least a year or two before they actually jump in. And in some cases, there's early admission and stuff like that. So... But uh, we take a really unique and, and very concerted effort towards our admissions marketing that I think is, is pretty successful. Um, so the things that I'm really focusing on now that admissions is held off or done is, you know, what happens if, how do I do my job? How do I get students engaged? How do I market and communicate to them if we're all virtual in the fall? Or if we're quasi-virtual, how do we, how do we manage, manage that? Do I have to build a new communication system to support that? Um, 
and that's really where I'm, I'm spending my time. Um, but on, you know, on the periphery, I'm thinking like, I've, I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm always going to be taking a class or learning something somehow. You and I have to do that yeah. in order to do our jobs well and uh, per perform above the level that we set for ourselves. Because if you're an artist, the mentality is like, if you're not producing at the level you know um, will make you better, then you're in a constant cycle of frustration. At the least, that's how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah exactly. You know? yeah. So like as a consequence, like if you've got that artistic mindset, you've got the creative mind, you always have to be producing to level you up. Uh, so that way, once you get to a certain level, that opens you up to do even newer and more better things, I guess. So, um, so I'm looking at professional development and you know, I'm taking a course on design thinking, which is something I've been doing for a while. I already know how to do. I do it with my clients. Um, but I see it as an opportunity to kind of refresh myself on different techniques on how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then like taking a, a certification course on project management. Um, and then I think the third one that I'm taking, because I'm a glutton for punishment, apparently, um, is on, uh, like social media. Uh, I'm really interested in the different perspectives and techniques that people are using, not in higher ed, uh, right. to convert sales, to, to create engagement, to bring in followers. Because if I, I feel like if I can figure out those strategies, I can modify them to fit the higher ed context. Right. And when you do that, it's like, what does Coca-Cola do to bring people into the fold? Yeah. If I can crack that formula, modify it to fit the higher ed context, all of a sudden, I've just done something that may not have been done in higher ed before. Right. So the, the cool thing about higher ed is that there's so much opportunity to innovate. And, you know, relative to the conversation before I hit record, so when I put that post out there on the higher ed social group saying like, what work do you believe in enough to submit to competitions and be evaluated by objective peer reviewers and no one responds? I'm just like, everyone should be doing this because there's so <laughs> much opportunity yeah. to do cool things. So that tells me that people aren't uh, seeing it that way. And if they aren't seeing that way, they don't they maybe don't have confidence in the work that they're doing. They may not have the confidence because their, um, their cheerleading system, you know, their positive reinforcement reinforcement system may not be there. Um, and it may not be there because their, their superiors, their supervisors are maybe people that don't necessarily know what we do and how we do it and why we do it so well. So, you know, I even, um, the one thing I think that we've done at Benedictine since I've been there is um, you got to tell a story. Yes. And instead of just doing small things here and there, regurgitating content. Um, I mean, that's what part of your brand is. You got to tell a story. You got to make it, you know, everyone feel like they are a part of your brand. Um, 
And I don't think that happens enough in higher education as well. Mm -hmm. I agree with that uh, 100%. Every person has a unique story to how they got to your doorstep. And some of those stories have, you know, deep meaning and memory. Um, I, I think about, uh, so I taught at Youngstown State. Most of the students that I had there, maybe similar to the students at Benedictine, um, are first, uh, the first in their family to go to college. Uh, first in their family to get a degree or even be accepted to college. Um, there's a lot of milestones with respect to that. You know, uh, Youngstown is, is an urban community. Um, the, you know, kids coming out of their public school system and actually getting into college, like, that's a really big deal. Um, and those journeys, those stories are just incredible to tell. And I don't understand why more of them aren't being shared or yeah. cultivated. I think that's the operative word, cultivated. Um, and then curated. So, yeah, our yeah. our um, student populations honestly couldn't be the most opposite of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. I mean, they're big Catholic families that have ten to twelve children. They've gone to Benedictine. You know, all of their students. They're going to go to a Newman Guide School, which is you know very conservative Catholic. Um, mm. So we get have a lot of people that were homeschooled that are now going to public, you know, uh, college or a schooling with other people for the first time in their lives. Right. So. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Same, same kind of destination, but you know, different, different pathways to get there. Yeah. So, uh, Amy, we're coming up towards the end of our time and I wanted to get this out there. What advice do you have for designers, marketing students that are graduating uh, in a few weeks, um, you know, what, what's your advice for them for entering the field? Um, I have two advice. Um, we come from a discipline and a background of thinking outside of the box. Don't be afraid to think outside of the box when you're looking for a job. Um, you're, do what you can to get noticed. You know, mm -hmm. think about it creatively. Your marketers, market yourself. Um, think of yourself as the product and how best to market yourself for the job force. Um, that's what I, the only thing I can say. Um, a lot of times, even if you think that a job isn't, that you're getting passed by for it, you have, there's nothing to lose by one more shot. You know, send right. the email, be personal too. Don't do everything by text and email. Pick up mm -hmm. the phone and actually introduce yourself. Um, network as much as you can. LinkedIn groups, yep. Facebook groups. I mean, that's how we met. Network yep. as much as you can right now. If your college or anyone has a um, platform where they can have like mentorships with alum, get yep. on there and look. You know, look through there. Send many, many. Handshake, everybody. Handshake. Yes. Yeah. Um, look people in the eye. Listen. So many people just sit there and wait for someone to be done talking and don't actually listen. Um, yep. So I would say those things that you can do, um, look at virtual jobs as well. So. And then ultimately, 
if left to your own devices, start your own company. Start your own company. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, your, your, your truth here is so profound. I mean, we just met and we're going to start a business together. So yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> there might there, no corporate hostile corporate takeovers yeah. uh, between us. Yeah. I, did, I do have a friend that has an ad agency in Kansas city. And I said, the first person in the Midwest to start a higher education advertising company is going to go gangbusters. No one does it here. No one is employing people to do it. They believe in consultants more than they do their own staff. And it's hitting the, now people are actually thinking about marketing like corporations are. The first person that starts a higher education advertising agency is going to go gangbusters. I only have time to start one additional company. <laughs> one at a not time. Not two, yeah. yeah so yeah. if you're like me, you any product you see, do you like think constantly on how to market it the best way you can? I am constantly thinking. It is Always. exhausting. Yes. Always. Always thinking. Yes, it is exhausting. Um, and it's one of the main reasons why my wife gets mad at me when she has to repeat herself. Because <laughs> she's, she's talking here and saying important things and I'm listening, but I'm also thinking about all these other things in my, in my brain. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. always thinking about this stuff. Another thing for seniors going out to get a um, interviewing, whether it's Skype or whatever, take the time to get on LinkedIn and find out who you're talking with. Mm -hmm. Find out what brought them to that place, you know, what they've done, bring that up in conversation. Um, if you have a certain company that you want to work for, research everything they've done in the past. And yep. then go beyond and like, you know, bring that up and just say, this is where I think you can go in the next five years. Yep, I agree. I, I could have said it better myself. Well, uh, Amy, thank you for your time. This was wonderful. Yeah. I hope we can do this again sometime soon. And um, for all you folks listening in the, the Higher Ed Social Facebook group, you got to get on board uh, or we're going to create these businesses and, and come to your colleges and, you know, consult with you. That's not a threat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks again, Amy. Thanks, RJ.